listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Well, good morning, Northwest. I am so glad that you are here. Thanks for being here and gathering together as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a privilege every week that, we, that I'm able to be here with all of you. And, and I just want you to know, I want you to know that God is working in amazing ways. I get an amen for that? Amen. No? <laughs> uh, only if you agree. Only if you agree. Um, God is on the move. God is working in and through his people, especially here, through each one of you here at Northwest, growing his kingdom, accomplishing his plans. And you know, if, if you're new here, I want to welcome you. I want you to know that I'm glad that you're here, whether you're just visiting, uh, whether you're just in town for a little while, or if you're looking for a church family, a church body to call your home. Uh, I invite you to come and see the difference that God can make. And I, I, I encourage you to come and see how God wants to use you uh, for his amazing plans. I've got a question for you. How many of you have ever missed an important deadline? <laughs> Some of you, who wants to admit? I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. Uh, I remember back in college... A long time ago, uh, I'd spent a good deal of time, it was the end of the year, and I uh, spent a good deal of time studying for my final exam, and the, th- the importance of this final exam was magnified because I needed to do well in order to pass the class, not to get an A+, plus, just to pass the class. After studying, I, I felt relieved, I was proud of myself, I was, I was ready, I felt prepared, and so I felt, well... I got some time. Let's go meet up with my friends. And uh, that night I got together with my friends and, and we spent some time playing video games together, as many college students do. Uh, we played video games late into the night. I remember getting ready for bed that night and setting my alarm clock to be an extra hour early so that I would make sure to wake up in time to make it to my final exam. Well, the morning of my final exam, my alarm clock went off early, just as I had said it. And do you know what I did? I wanted to hit snooze, but for many of you, some of you don't know this, but old alarm clocks, they had a button on it that also had a button that turns off the alarm completely. In addition to the snooze button, which allows you to, to sleep another 15 or so minutes, and then it'll sound off the alarm again, what button did I hit? I hit the off button. Well, I woke up that morning, or I should say that afternoon, and do you know what happened? I missed my final. Do you know what happened after that? I failed my class. Uh, it doesn't go downhill from there. I didn't drop out of school and end up on the street. But the thing that happened was I failed the class. 
missed the deadline. I didn't want to wake up. <laughs> right? I wanted to sleep in a little bit. You know, uh, nothing could ever change you know, what had happened. And, and I still re- remember that sick feeling that I had in, 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 in the bottom of my stomach that day, right? Knowing the feeling, the implications uh, of the choices that I made and, and, and the choices that I didn't make. And sometimes I still have dreams <laughs> of missing a final. I don't know about you guys. Maybe, maybe for you it's something else. But in, in the book of Matthew... Chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, you'll find some of the saddest words found in the whole Bible. I want to read it to you. And it's not our focal passage today, but, but we're getting there. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, the phrase, you were not willing, (laughs) You see, on that that morning of of my final exam, I was not willing to wake up when my alarm went off. But see, the phrase, you are not willing, has the feel of of an alarm clock going off because your time has run out. Now, we're studying through the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus, as we've studied, he just cleansed and he cursed the temple. He cleansed and cursed it for its corruption and and the abuse that was going on. And in response to to him doing this, in in response to Jesus' actions and his teaching, what did the religious, how did the religious leaders respond? They were looking for a way to kill Jesus. They were looking for any excuse, any way that they could get rid of Jesus. Now, logically speaking, right, if, if you knew that people wanted you dead, what would you do? Keep doing what you're doing, right? No, you, most of us would probably look for ways to be safe and, and to hide and, and to not be in the public eye. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus would not avoid the public eye, but he would return back to Jerusalem and return to the temple with courage. And he would face opposition and he would be confronted. And yet Jesus knew that and he planned for that. And yet we know that this battle is not just a battle of flesh and bone. And not just a a, a problem of, of conflict between two people. But this was a spiritual confrontation. These were spiritual confrontations that Jesus was having with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees, with, with the Sanhedrin, with the people of, of that time. You see, for Jesus came to do what? He came to seek and to save the lost. And nothing and no one was going to stop Jesus from accomplishing the will of his Father, the will of God. 
But see, as we read on in the story, we have the privilege of, uh, and the blessing of looking at the story and seeing it in its entirety as God has given it to us in His Word. We know that every interaction, every circumstance, every situation that we read and study here in the Gospels is leading up to a climax. For Jesus is heading to the cross. He's heading to His own death. His own torture, his own humiliation, his own suffering. And yet we also know that he willingly is going. And so today, as we look at this passage in the Gospel of Mark, we look at this conflict that he's having with the religious leaders here in the temple. And what we're going to see and what I pray that you see is some of the reasons that people choose not to follow Jesus. And that's why this message today is titled, Three Reasons Not to Follow Jesus. And and please don't don't misunderstand. I'm not promoting rejecting Jesus. But what we see here in this passage, we're going to see three common reasons why people choose to reject Jesus Christ. These are excuses that are not new. These are reasons that people have given for over 2,000 years. But it's my prayer. That as we are reminded of these, maybe they will shed some light, maybe onto our own hearts. Maybe we'll find that maybe, maybe some of these excuses have taken root in, in our hearts. And not only that, but it is my prayer that as we see some of these excuses, these reasons, that we will also be encouraged and be better equipped to encourage one another. To not lose focus, to not lose heart, but to keep following Jesus. And here's, here's the truth that I want you to meditate on as we study this passage. The ultimate reason that people reject Jesus is because of the hardness of their own hearts. That's ultimately why people reject Jesus, is because their hearts are hardened. Would you please open up your Bible to Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. And as you're opening your Bible... Please, uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can look at it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you out loud uh, as you follow along silently. Would you please stand with me? If I have to stand, you guys need to stand. Well, you won't have to stand the whole time. But, but out of respect and in honor of God's word, as I read it out loud to you and as we read it together, uh, bef- uh, would you stand with me? I'm going to read it out loud. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism Was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people. For everyone held that that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you 
by what authority I am doing these things. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here, to gather together, to worship you, and also, God, to study your word. God, I pray that, God, you would open our hearts, soften our hearts, open our eyes and our ears and our minds, God, to, to what it is that you are trying to teach us. God, I, I ask that as we study your word, help us to understand it, give us wisdom, God, to apply it, and uh, God, I pray that we would not leave this place unchanged. I thank you, God, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So when you look at this passage, right, it's, it's, it's nothing new. We see Jesus is facing this op- opposition from the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. And so here we see three reasons not to follow Jesus. And the first one is this. We're unwilling or we won't submit to his authority. That's the first reason. We won't submit to his authority. All right? The Sanhedrin, right? The religious leaders, the the Jewish high court who exercised both political and religious authority in Israel... Uh, Just to give you some background, it consisted of about 71 men led by one who is called the high priest. And you can imagine, their influence, their power was huge. And here's the thing about them. Though they had this great influence, this great authority, this great power, they were threatened by anything that could possibly diminish their authority. And guess who was a threat to their authority? Jesus. For Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ultimate high priest. Jesus has all authority because he is God. And yes, he was a threat to their authority. So here we see, right, these religious leaders, they do what to Jesus? They question Jesus. They question his authority. And this is nothing new. Like I said before, they've always questioned Jesus' authority. But when, as they ask this question, right, as they scheme, as they desire to kill Jesus, we see the hardness and the unwillingness of their hearts, and it's shown in their response to Jesus. Because it would be good, right, if I just was ignorant. If we were just ignorant about Jesus and we really wanted to learn from Jesus, right, that would be a good, it would be good to ask him a question, wouldn't it? I wouldn't fault the the religious leaders for asking Jesus a question. But really, as they ask the question, it reveals the hardness of their hearts. It reveals the unwillingness of them to submit to Jesus as Lord. They don't question him to learn about who he is. No, the Pharisees, their goal is to ensnare him, to embarrass him, to discredit Jesus. You see, because... If Jesus admits that he has no religious credentials and that he is acting on his own authority, right, he's going to fail. He will probably lose respect and the following of the crowd and will be considered a troublemaker and will be seen nothing more than just an instigator and someone who's trying to gain political power. On the other hand, if he makes a claim to be God, if he makes the claim to be divine authority, then what are they going to charge him with? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. They will arrest him. And they will have him killed. 
He's in a lose-lose situation, right? The question of authority, though, that's, that's a very important question that we need to consider. Who or what is your authority today? We all have a, a source of authority in our lives. Someone or something that guides us and drives us, something that rules us. I mean, some of us here are, uh, don't acknowledge the fact that something or someone does rule us. But for most of us, like the Sanhedrin, a lot of us make ourselves the authority. And we are not interested in surrendering to anyone or anything. You know, a famous writer, author, C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote this about living under the, the authority of Jesus Christ in his book, Mere Christianity. And, and to quote uh, C.S. Lewis, he, he writes this, Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourselves. And you will find, in the long run, only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find Him. And with Him, everything else thrown in. Dear friends, Jesus is the only authority worth submitting to. We need to choose today. Choose today who you're going to serve. We, we know full well that you can't serve two masters. Right? God tells us you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and someone or something else. We reject Jesus when we won't submit to his authority. Secondly, second reason we won't follow Jesus is because we won't examine the evidence. When you look at verse 29 through 32, you see, after the Sanhedrin opposes Jesus' authority with their question, Jesus gives the most brilliant response, doesn't he? I would hate to play any kind of game against Jesus, all right? Or any type of, uh, of game that requires thinking and intellect, Jesus would always win, wouldn't he? Jesus answers their question, how? He answers it with another question. Children, take note. I'm just kidding. Do not do that to your parents. Children, young people, do not answer your parents with another question when they ask you to do something. <laughs> All right? This is, don't use this passage the wrong way. Um, Jesus re replies to them with a question. Look at verse 29. Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. All right, Jesus' counter question was, 
Jesus is, is so wise, right? He, he, this was a common way of debating uh, within the, that group of religious leaders and teachers, those rabbis there, this, to, to, uh, to offer a counter question. This was a common debating technique that they would have been very familiar with and used many times. But what this did, what Jesus did by asking this question was so timely and so profound because this question exposed their hearts and their motives. And if anybody, if you take time to study how God deals with his people, you'll see it many times that, that God doesn't just force us or, or just, just tell us every exact everything that you, you should do or that you're not doing. Oftentimes, in God's grace and his mercy and in his, his perfect love, he asks us a question to lead us back to himself. But see, Jesus, right, his goal is to seek and to save the lost. But here, with these hard-hearted Pharisees, he asks them a question. And he basically says, let's look at the evidence of the one who paved the way for my coming and with whom I closely align myself with. What about John the Baptist? You guys know of him. You knew him. You know what he did. And it's the majority thought and understanding that, yes, most people agree that John was a prophet of God. God was, uh, John the Baptist was sent by God. You believe in him? What about me? And anytime you see repetition in the Bible, right, it, 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 it's, it should highlight what what is being said and it's to show it's to emphasize it but jesus is making a very direct point here by asking them answer me answer me because these experts in the law experts in the word of god they know full well what the word of god says you see that jesus demanded an answer twice it highlighted the fact that the religious leaders lacked the courage to give him an honest answer. They knew the answer. But because of their pride, because of the hardness of their hearts, because they were spiritually blind because of their sin, they would not answer Jesus truthfully. What does it say here in verse 31? They discussed it among themselves and said, Look at this. You hear the internal dialogue, right? Or the dialogue with one another. If we say from heaven, he's going to ask us, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say, oh, he was only of human origin. Right? Like Jesus, John came preaching a message of repentance. And like Jesus, he bypassed the temple and the official religious authorities. Jesus may have been thought of as some crazy blasphemer by these so-called religious leaders. But even the common people, they knew. And they could see that John the Baptist was indeed a prophet of God. And that there was a clear connection between John the Baptist and Jesus. Everyone else could see it. Well, and it's not even a, a debate. The religious leaders saw it too. They just wouldn't acknowledge Jesus. See, if they believed John was a prophet of God based on John's life and ministry, then what was stopping them from believing Jesus as Savior and Lord based off of his life and ministry? And one interesting thing here, if you would flip to the beginning of Mark, 
at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we see two Old Testament scriptures cited. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. You can look at that. If you look, just turn to Mark chapter 1, you can see it there. Right in chapter 1, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. You don't have to turn to those. You can just turn to the first chapter of Mark. These two passages link the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus to prophetic promise. For when you look at that in Mark chapter 1, it's Malachi 3, verse 1, word for word. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And then Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The evidence is already in their minds. They know it. They have studied it. They've scoured it. They've memorized it. The evidence is in their minds. And it is standing there in the person of Jesus Christ right before their eyes. And yet in their hearts, They reject him. They will not embrace Jesus. They will not submit to Jesus. They may do their best to attempt to express rational arguments against Jesus, but in the end, what we see here in the religious leaders is an emotional reaction rooted in fear of losing what? Losing everything that this world has to offer. Losing their control. Losing their high position. Losing their status. Losing their broken way of life. Even though they're desperately hanging on to every last thread of it. For so many of us. For so many people. The real problem is not the evidence. The problem is internal And the real problem is sin. It's our hard hearts. We won't believe the evidence even if it is right before our eyes. The idols of our hearts is the real issue. The idols of our hearts. That's the real issue. You see, if if I accept Jesus as the Son of God who died for my sins, and I believe that He was raised from the dead, then my life will never be the same. Right? The Pharisees, they're hearing all of this stuff, but they like their lives. I like my life, and yet I don't realize that, that I've been dead inside this whole time, and Jesus came so that I could truly live. So what do they do? With eyes shut, as many of your eyes are closed right now. Ears plugged. They just say, oh, we don't know Jesus. We don't want to talk about it anymore. We don't know. Just as Abraham says to the rich man in hell in in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 31, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Did you know that there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead? Did you know that there were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? Did you know there's evidence, both non-Christian and Christian historians, that bear witness 
to a person named Jesus Christ who's born in Nazareth and lived and walked this earth and that was crucified on a cross over 2,000 years ago. Did you know that there's evidence? What is it, dear friend, that's truly holding you back from trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Because I'll tell you this, the evidence is clear. The last reason not to follow Jesus is that we won't fear God over man. We're not willing to fear God over man. Look at verse 32 and 33 again. They feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know, Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus knew that that was a cop-out answer, right? Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking, exactly what they were feeling. He knew their thought process. He knew they were lying. And so he says, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He's saying, I'm not going to say it because the evidence is right here. You know it. You just won't acknowledge it. Um, I saw one, one survey uh, uh, this week. According to a survey conducted by Gallup, uh, they found that above anything, the majority of Americans, 51% fear, can you guess? What do 51% of Americans polled or surveyed in this survey, what do they fear the most? Anyone? Anyone guess? Death? Nope. Not public speaking. All right, we're, we're getting close. Guess what it is? You'll never guess. Snakes. <laughs> snakes. All right, snakes. Then public speaking. <laughs> then a fear of heights. Death was much lower on the list. Jesus here exposes a fear that is common to all of us. That's the fear of what other people think. The fear of man. When I say the fear of man, not, not excluding women, I'm talking about humanity. The fear of what other people will think about you, what they'll say about you, what judgments they're going to shout out about you. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, right? Written by the second wisest man. All right, the wisest is Jesus, of course. One of the wisest men to ever have lived wrote the book of Proverbs, right? Proverbs 21, or 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare, a trap. But the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Look at the religious leaders. Look at how they respond out of fear of who? They're not scared of Jesus. Who are they scared of? They're scared of the crowd. What will the people think if we answer? The, the crowd already believed in, that John the Baptist was a prophet of God. So why not believe that Jesus is God? So what did they do? They chose to plead ignorance. Their answer, oh, we don't know, Jesus. It's sad, isn't it? The religious leaders chose lies. They chose false security in the life that they had accomplished and grown and developed. Yet what they also had was eternal death. They chose eternal death rather than truth, rather than freedom, rather than eternal life in Jesus Christ. They would rather keep their earthly riches and lose their souls 
They would rather sit on the throne of their own lives than surrender that throne to Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so we see these three reasons. And I didn't want to just leave it at that this morning. Because that's what's highlighted. The hearts that are hardened by sin and brokenness that lead to us making excuses and giving all these reasons why we're not going to submit and surrender to Jesus even though the evidence is clear. I want to encourage you with these three reasons then, these three responses to Jesus. As Jesus is being presented to you, as Jesus is talking to you, as Jesus is calling you to surrender your life to Him and repent and turn to Him, acknowledge your sin and and turn to Him and ask Him for forgiveness, confess Him as your Lord and be saved I encourage you, dear friend, dear brother and sister, just real quick, these three responses. How I pray that you respond to Jesus. Number one is that you would pray. And I want to say pray. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just mean talking to Jesus, talking to God. All you have to do, did you know that you don't have to be formal when you talk to God? You don't have to kneel down and fold your hands, close your eyes when you pray to Jesus. Prayer is just talking. Talking with God, but also being willing to listen. Pray, talk to Him. You can share what is on your heart and know that God cares about what you are going through. Early in Mark, we saw Jesus heal a child. And we saw the reaction and the response of the Father who who cried out to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. We studied this a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, in, in verse 24 of Mark chapter 9. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Jesus Help me overcome my unbelief. You see, even when you have doubts, even when you go through struggles, even when you are not sure that God cares or that God is there, you can still talk to God because He cares for you. You can still say, God, you know what? I don't know what's going on. And I don't even know. I can't even see that your love is real or that you... you, really care about me, but God, help me. I know that you're real, and I know that you love me, and I know that you died for me, and I know that you have a plan for me. God, help me. I need you. Would you talk to God in the face of doubt, in the face of failure, in the face of hardship and struggle and suffering and in pain, in the face of loss? Dear friend, run to Jesus with your fears, your failures, your doubts and questions. Go to him with your challenges, your hurts and pain. Ask him for help. Ask Jesus to help your unbelief. Ask him to show you what is really true. Because I tell you this, Jesus is waiting and wants to lead you to trust and follow him. Because he loves you. And he gave his life so that you can be with him and he could be with you. Pray. Secondly, trust. How can you respond to Jesus? I pray that you trust. That you choose to trust him. Some of you here today, some of you may be very tired today. And I'm not talking about just physically. Maybe you're tired of placing your hope and trust in things that will never satisfy, things that will never last. Maybe you're tired of being tossed and turned by every circumstance in this life that you are going through. But look at what God says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Or listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. 
Dear friend, you don't have to act like you have everything under control. Because we all know the truth. The reality is only that God is in control. You are not. I am not. We don't have to act like we know everything because we don't. Only God knows everything. But what does God call and create us to do? He calls us to trust him. He calls us to trust him, to believe in him, to surrender to him. He will lead us down the straight path. He will help us not to stray to the left, to the right, or to get lost. Lastly, choose to respond to Jesus through your life, through how you live. Live for him. Choose to live for Jesus. Live a life that makes a difference in eternity. Live this life to the fullest, doing what you were created by God to do. Look at Matthew. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I want to end with this passage. Jesus says, you, you, church, you, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. It's impossible. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, brother and sister in Christ, let your light shine before others that People all around may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That people would see how you live. They would see how you work. They would see how you study. They would see how you respond. And that all they're left to do is just look to God and say, God, you are so great. For Pastor Steve to be able to be like that or to live like that, God, there's no reason except because you are so wonderful. So here's the question. Here's the question for all of you to consider. Just as Jesus asked a question, I'm asking you a question today. Especially if you have never trusted Jesus and submitted your life to his authority. I will ask you this. What is it that is holding you back? Is it your desire to be the Lord of your own life? Is it your refusal to honestly consider the evidence? Or is it that you fear other people more than you fear God? Dear friend, be honest with yourself today. There's no better place to be honest with yourself than here right now. How much of your hesitation, brothers and sisters, this is for you too. What is it that God's calling you to do? And how many excuses are you making? How much of your hesitation, your doubts, your questions are really just a mask to hide your fear of what faith in Jesus might cost you? How many of us are just putting on a mask of, oh, I, 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 need, to get the, I need to figure these things out first before I really take that step to trust Jesus and to follow him and to take that next step what is it going to cost you? Is it, gonna, it might cost you socially. It might cost you culturally. It may cost you some of the relationships that you have today. It may cost you financially. 
Dear friends, I want you to focus right now to think about everything that we've been talking about. Focus in on the person of Jesus. Look at his words. Listen to what he's saying today and look at how he loves you. Jesus says, in the last book of the Bible, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Dear friend, dear brother and sister, will you surrender to Jesus today? Because you know and realize that he's worth it and that Jesus is who he says he is. He is your savior He is your Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only one worth following. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we praise you and we thank you for today. God, I lift up my friend here today who realizes their need for for you. They realize the brokenness of their lives because of sin. They realize they're not perfect just like, like all of us are not perfect. And yet, God, they realize that they need Jesus to save them. They need you, God, to forgive them of their sins. And they want that eternal life that can only be found through faith in your son. And so, God, I pray for my friend. And I pray if that's their desire today to surrender their life to you, to submit their lives and and to be forgiven of their sins and to have the blessed assurance of eternal life. And if it's their desire to follow you, God, the rest of their days, I pray that right now they they would just repeat after me and that they would, my friends would say this, God, thank you for today. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for sending your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to forgive me of my sin. God, I know that I am a sinner. And yet, God, I want, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I confess today that Jesus is my Lord. And I want to follow you all the way to heaven. And God, I pray that if my friend prayed that prayer today, that they would know that their sins are forgiven that you have made them new, that you, your Holy Spirit has come and, and come inside them to, and made them new. And now, God, they can move forward and take those next steps to follow you all the way to heaven. God, I also pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray that in light of, uh, of what we studied this morning, I pray, God, that we would submit to you every day, and in every way. I pray for my brother or sister who who may be struggling. Maybe we've been, maybe we've been tricked into thinking that anything and something in this world that's only temporary could ever satisfy us more than you. And we're holding on to it so tightly. And we're devoting our lives to it. And it's our idol, God. I pray that today, you would help us to let go of it. God, help us to acknowledge it and acknowledge our sin and to turn to you, to turn back to you and that you would set us free. Set us free from our sin. Set us free from our, the desire to, to pursue things that will never last and never satisfy. And instead, God, that we would look to you as our sole satisfaction. 
our treasure. And God, that we would take that next step, that we would take that step of faith in whatever it is that you are leading us to do. God, that's my prayer this morning. I thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. You know, every Sunday we give an opportunity for you to respond to God. And if, it's, if you made a decision today to put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we sing this song, I, I encourage you to come and share it with me so that I can pray with you. Brother and sister, if you made some decision, if you have a next step that God is leading you, I encourage you also come and share it with me so that I can rejoice with you and encourage you and pray for you as well. As we sing, would you come? by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.